Welcome to Screen Thoughts with Hollister and O'Toole. The network needs reporters on the ground in Afghanistan. And you folks are all the unmarried, childless personnel in this bureau. Kim, are you going to be joining in? The travel or the crime? <laughs> O'Toole and I just returned from seeing Whiskey Tango. Foxtrot. <laughs> okay, I don't know how I, you can even start this laughing. You because know. I, no, we, no, 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 no. No, I am so moved by this film, and I have such renewed respect for Tina Fey, who I always thought was clever and funny, and certainly her Palin impersonation, you know, made her close to my heart. I I think she nailed this film, and I have a feeling you do not think that. <laughs> well, we did see it together, which is unusual for us, but I'm glad we did, because that holds all other variables constant. Hollister, you're going to have to explain it to me. I didn't... Okay, I didn't let me re- walk you I through I kept it. reading that it was a comedy. Oh, and- no, no, no. You know how... It, it's funny. It's so funny, because what I think was genius about this film are things you've taught me that films need sometimes. Oh, now, dear. first one... I, it's always surprised me you actually listen to me. Oh, uh, you know, I don't... Really, I don't even listen I to hear, myself. Well, I listen to our podcast over and over, so I hear you <laughs> over and No, I do. I really do listen to you. You know how you're always telling me, look, you need a little bit of comedy in any serious drama to be able to even take in the drama properly. And I think her mix between, and it was not a comedy. And when we think of, you know, when we think of Tina Fey comedy, Mm -hmm. we think, oh, it's going to be really funny. And maybe when people go in to see this, they're going to go, wait, because it's not Tina Fey funny. No. It's it's got moments of uh, juxtapositioned lightness and almost absurd humor or, I don't know, something along that line. But it makes... It makes it all the more poignant, and I just, I think, first of all, it starts off the first half much better than the second half. The cinematographer, Xavier Grobey, who's apparently from Mexico, okay, now he did I Love You, Philip Morris, which I never saw, Focus, and Monster House, but the the, the lead into it, um, when she arrives in Afghanistan, and he's got the camera so close up that you just feel stifled by the closeness to everything. And as she's going through these rooms and these people, crowds and everything else, I think it's one of the best, the best cinematography I've seen in terms of showing how very, very stifling the tension is in a place like that or the, or the crowds or whatever. I thought it I thought he did an amazing job in the, the first cinematographer. half. I do, yeah. I think the cinematography in the first half was genius. The second half, it, it was, you know, I, I, it just wasn't as, as strong, I don't think. But I thought the first half was really, really excellent. And I thought the storytelling was unbelievably rich. You, well, Hollister, it's interesting because what you just identified as its strength to me was the weakness. <laughs> I thought it was an uneven tone. And it was marketed as a comedy. And up front, I have no, to it's say, not a comedy. It's, it's not, not a comedy. Not. But if I had been in the pitch meeting, if it had been, someone, wait, if it had been market, I'm going to ask you a question then. If it had been marketed as a drama, would you have liked it better? I would have been more likely to go. Because, yes, I'm one of these people who I'm not ready for a comedy about Afghanistan. And admittedly, if I had been in the pitch meeting for the TV show MASH, and somebody said, I have a great idea for a sitcom, it's going to take place at a POW camp, I would have been like, next. MASH doesn't take place at a POW camp. Do you know I've never seen it? Oh, my God. It's only one of the longest-running TV shows in the history of America. MASH is the medical unit. It was the medical unit in Korea is what MASH was. Oh. Yeah, so it was the American... Did they treat prisoners of war? No, they treated Americans who got hurt in the line of fire. 
So oh. when yeah, they were airlifted into a MASH unit, and MASH stands for medical something something something. MASH has nothing to do with prisoners of war. <laughs> okay, but okay, I got war right. Okay. One out of three. Right, so whatever. if you had told me it was going to be a sitcom that had anything to do with war, I would have said I don't, I don't get it. Mm-hmm. And in this, when I read that Tina Fey was doing a comedy in it's Kabul, comedy. so I already went in with different expectations. Questions about the war itself. Questions about Afghanistan versus Iraq. Questions about about the rush of adrenaline when you live, you know, in that fast lane of close to death that, that I mean, there were part so was very many, yeah, interesting. there were so many, many, many points of tension in it that I thought it was great. And the to other clarify, thing, I only mean the adrenaline rush. Um, her Afghan translator used to be a doctor and says that people, journalists in these war-torn areas, can get addicted to that high. Oh, you could see how you could see how that. That could happen. part I thought was interesting, but I thought there were parts that were culturally insensitive. Mm. I thought um, I didn't want to hear the women in burqas being described as IKEA bags. I was hoping for something that would move me more. Huh? You know, it's been attacked anyway for two casting. Positions. Alfred Molina and Chris Abbott were cast as Afghans when uh, people said, "You, sh- this is just not appropriate." And I and do you a- think real Afghans would have wanted to be in this movie. Oh, sure. Well, I think American Afghans would have. Okay, but I did think Alfred Molina was miscast. Well, especially because you yeah. could tell he was wearing a hairpiece. So to me, he really looked like somebody. By the way, in I don't think he was wearing a wig. I think they had him grow out his hair, and they had a bad hairdresser working on it. That's what I think. So it looked like he was wearing yeah, a wig. Yeah. And that already seemed fake to yeah. me. The translator, I didn't mind. I thought he I thought actually... he was... And well, Chris Abbott, she said, it was interesting. Tina Fey's response to that was, she complained about it, and she said she was concerned about this casting call, and, the, and she said, you know who's going to take the heat if everybody attacks it, it's going to be me. And in fact, that is exactly what happened. And I'm, I'm not really happy that she sort of came out publicly and said that she, she had tried to change it and they wouldn't, they wouldn't, you know, the casting people wouldn't let her. But Christopher um, Abbott was one of my favorite actors. I was going to say I thought he was excellent, and I thought, I thought I learned so much about the culture about not touching women. The way they handled that was absolutely intensely brilliant. He seemed to have brought the rare bit of true emotion he and heart to the yes. movie and cultural sensitivity. Yes. Yeah, he did. And it was that part was sad to me that every westerner in the movie came across as so culturally insensitive. Well, maybe we are. And he came across as well, maybe the that's most accurate. sensitive. But isn't that depressing to think that it's the journalists and the photographers over there as being portrayed as so soulless? Well, I don't think, you would they, think were, they would be closest to the story. I don't think they were soulless. I think I do think they were sometimes insensitive. I mean, some of the things she did to get the story, I thought were very disrespectful to the place that she was. There's no question. Yeah. I think they lost me a little bit from the very opening scene because the opening scene does not start with the beautiful cinematography of Afghanistan. I know it was filmed mostly in New Mexico, yes, exactly. but there was Afghan footage. So it wasn't the beautiful landscapes, it wasn't the Afghan people, it wasn't a war scene. It was Western journalists and photographers snorting cocaine and getting trashed in a bar. But, but you know, and this comes from the book written by Kim Barker, who was actually embedded there. And, and the Taliban yeah, shuffle. Yeah, so I have to say, you know, whether 
to not to not appreciate the movie because you don't like what was portrayed when maybe that is the way it was. It could have been the yeah. way it was, but it's not the order I would have told it in. Uh-huh. So, for example, oh, interesting. Um, Tina Fey said she was trying to do a fictional take on the book, which to me is an interesting genre that it's based on a book, but a fictional take. And she only met the author once, by the way. She only chose to meet her once. She did not want it, her too much in her head. Let's and she wasn't way. trying to be Kim Barker. No, she was not. But I can understand how if you are witnessing atrocities and in this film you do see a limb blown off you see a hand on the ground again for I don't know what comedy I would have appreciated about Afghanistan but I wasn't expecting the mixed tone this is not a comedy anybody who says it is okay. it's the wrong yeah um, so you've lost me on that front but to open with a scene of people just snorting coke and getting trashed I was thinking studio 54 New York City oh no I like it you haven't yeah. yet shown me what the journalists are going through that would drive them to drink so I haven't formed any kind of bond with these western journalists to me it felt it was like a flashback it opens with a flashback and maybe you know maybe that's no, it, it opens in current day and then it goes back two years Right. And then you come back to the present at the end. Right. This is where the foreign reporters live. Welcome to the funhouse. To me, it felt like the movie How to Be Single set in Kabul. Yeah. And so the tone for me was already off. Well, you know, it's funny because I also think it was really, really, really well written. And Robert um, Carlock wrote it. But he also worked with her on 30 Rock and the unbreakable Kimmy, uh, Kimmy Schmidt. Schmidt. And it's funny because those were very uh, comedically based Whereas I think this guy came, I think this guy ran a marathon versus those are the sprints because I think some of the writing in there is really, really good. And one of the stories that they tell, which is not a, you know, it doesn't give anything away is when somebody, one of the other, um, one of the other journalists over there says, well, you know, what made you come here? And she tells in a very, very good acting style she says that she was on a treadmill and she goes on that treadmill every day and she's mm-hmm. run thousands of miles on that treadmill and she looked and she saw the indentation of the treadmill about a foot in front of her and then she realized that the treadmill had moved backwards with her running over these over these years at this gym and you know she just knew she didn't want to do you know that's not how she wanted her life to go i thought it was a beautifully beautifully done i thought there were a lot of writing scenes in there that were really well done i'm so glad that you brought up that passage because if you asked me to identify my favorite bit yeah. of the screenplay it would have been that which yeah. is unusual because that's all exposition yeah. and i am not drawn to exposition no, you're not. Nope. but tina fey delivered it beautifully yeah, she did. we are all here for a reason so what's your reason i just wanted out of my job i wanted out of my mildly depressive boyfriend. What are we doing, Kim? Just wanted to blow everything up. That's the most American white lady story I've ever heard. But I think. By the way, she can act. That girl can act. She comes across as very sympathetic, no matter what role they ask her to play. But But, you know, she wasn't just sympathetic. There was. There's one scene. I don't mean she was a sympathetic character, but there's something about Tina Fey. There's a Tina Fey quality, where no matter what role she is cast in, the camera picks up a likable person. Well, she's she's definitely likable, but there are a number of places where we have to see in her that person who will sell you down the river for the story. And, you know, when he comes in to talk to her after she's risked everybody's life for really no reason, um, and he says he doesn't want to work with her anymore, her coldness in, you know, not even going after him to try to finish the conversation, you know, 
Again, great writing in that in that See, section. See, to me, it, it felt was it felt labored. Oh, I didn't think so. I thought it was wonderful. To me, it felt manufactured. Oh, no, I didn't think so. Um, and I was already frustrated by this group of Westerners because... Well, you could be frustrated example, by the group of Westerners, but that doesn't have anything to do with the movie. You yes, know? It, it does, because it was... To me, I did not care for the screenplay. Well, did you not care for what he was saying in it, or did you think it was poorly written? Both. Yeah, because not caring for what he says in it, I think, is actually one of the goals of making people feel things good, bad, or indifferent about what he's put put out there. You know, The whole time I was watching it, I kept thinking, I would love to see a movie right now made by an Afghan filmmaker. And I know that Afghan filmmakers are putting themselves at risk to, yeah, you know. Yeah. But to me, for example, when she first shows up in Kabul and she goes to pull out money... And all her money goes flying out and lands on the street and people are running after the dollar bills. And I thought, I've seen this too many times where you take usually a female protagonist, put her in an international setting, and she's so inept. So, for example, it's kind of the romancing the stone genre where you see a woman show up and she's packed high heels for the jungle and somebody has to whack the heels off her shoe. To me, that was the totally inept moment they gave Tina Fey. And I would doubt that Kim Barker, who now works for the New York Times, showed up and had all her cash fly out when you're showing up in a war-torn, impoverished area. It seemed overdone to me. Yeah, well, I, I could see that. I could see that particular point is, was not one of the strengths but I think overall, the screenplay and the scenes they chose to depict were really, really well done. You know, I did. I thought they were excellent. And it's funny. She seems to, um, Tina Fey seems to like to work with the same group. Mm -hmm. So keep in well, mind, Lauren, Lauren Michael, it, Michael's also uh, produced it. Okay, then Saturday Night Live, Exactly. Her course. cinematographer has worked with her before. Her writers have worked with her before. Um, you know, so it, it makes sense that she keeps this team together and I like that about her. I like that she's sort of, you know, that family base. Now, what did and you when think I of... And I saw um, her in the Elaine Stritch documentary, yeah. which was partly shot on the set of 30 Rock, she seemed, Tina Fey seemed like somebody I would love to yeah. work with, you know. Well, I will tell you, I was in L.A. Mm -hmm. and Are you um, going to tell me you met Tina Fey? I did. Really? I was in L.A. at a, one of the, you know, some of the restaurants in L.A. are in strip malls, you know. Mm -hmm. And I was at a it's Japanese restaurant thing. in a strip mall, one of the best restaurants in L.A., Japanese uh it's a small restaurant, maybe it seated a hundred people, you know, somewhere around there. And she came in and she went to every single table in the restaurant. Wow. And she introduced herself to us. And frankly, at the time, you know, I, first of all, never saw Saturday Night Live until she was doing Palin on it, but this was before the Palin time. But she came to every table, said hello, as if we should know who she was. And there was this piece of me, this snotty New Yorker in me, that's sort of like, what makes you think I want you to stop the straight, you know? I, you know, obviously everybody else was groveling with gratefulness that she stopped by, and I was sort of being that New Yorker, like, I didn't ask you to come over here, you know. <laughs> you did not embed her? No, I did not embed her, but um, she was very friendly and seemed openly really friendly, but I thought it was an odd thing to do, I can say that, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, but she seems to, you know, get along with, well with people and bring people into her web really, really well done. But well, tell me, I have to ask, what did you think of Billy Bob Thornton? Okay, well, before we get to Billy Bob Thornton, what you just said about working with the same people, you um, gave a shout out to the cinematographer, and he also did the cinematography for Focus, which starred the Australian actress Margot Robbie. 
who was in Whiskey Tango Foxtrot. Yeah, she was very good. I thought she was the best. Yeah. Oh my God, it's so nice to have another woman in the house. In Afghanistan, you're a serious piece of ass. In New York, you're like six, seven. Here, you're nine, borderline 10. What are you here, like a 15? <laughs> yeah. Huh. And she was also in a movie that you loved this past year. What? The Big Short. And one of the writers on The Big Short was Adam McKay. And Adam McKay was the one who knew Tina Fey from her work in Chicago and brought her to Saturday Night Live when he yeah. started writing there. So, again, you're absolutely right. Yeah, it's all she this... keeps in the same circle. She doesn't, yeah, which I, I like that about her. Now, now, Billy Bob Thornton, what'd you think? I thought he was great. Well, I thought he was very much Billy Bob Thornton. And I don't mean that as... Um, well, he was cast to be that guy. Yeah, exactly. He's very good at that role of being that Marine. So well, you're I saying think, what I always say about other actors, they're playing themselves. You know? Well, he's not necessarily playing himself, but it definitely has that Billy Bob yeah. Thornton wash. Yeah. So anyone who's a Billy Bob Thornton fan will like him in I this am. role. I'm, I, you know, I realize I am a fan. I loved I loved when he came on the screen. I looked forward to seeing him next. I thought he was wished he had been there more and longer. You know, he's in there, he's in there consistently, but not for long periods of time. But whenever he was on there, I loved what he was saying. Miss Baker, this is an extreme environment. I've seen people with actual experience make bad decisions here. You should let me interview you. But I do not know you. How can we get to know each other? <laughs> yes, kid, excellent. He was, by the way, one of the comedic people in some ways on it. Oh, you thought so? Oh, yeah, because like when she says booyah or whatever, and he said, you know, he turns around and says, that's what the Navy says, the Marines, Marines you know, I mean, in other words, every line he had seemed to uh, sort of have that twit, that little sort of caustic, humorous, sarcastic twist that did lighten the load at the moment. Well, to me, that's a good scene to watch is when you see two people who have some kind of conflict. Mm -hmm. And I think when you're going to embed a journalist overseas in a war-torn area, mm -hmm. there's going to be a rift between the military and the journalists. And to me, that was another frustrating thing to watch is when she first arrives and she's never been to a war-torn area and she has a bright orange backpack, which they have to point out not once, but twice before she I knew even you were makes... going to say that, by the way. The second time they pointed out, I'm like, oh, here we go. You know, <laughs> how did the second time make it in there? You know, once was enough. We got the point and was putting people's lives in danger. There was a danger. point, by the way, twice. You know what the point was? No. Well, it wasn't just the military that said that. It was also the journalist group that said that. In other words, every aspect of the people there were like, why would you bring that? To me, it's frustrating to see her clamber out of the car and put people's lives in danger when they tell her to stay in the car. And I'm thinking, if I were in the military, I would be so fed up with these journalists. They're putting the military at risk. I need to get something on the air. It's too dangerous. Don't you think that would be great, that kind of exposure? Pretty good for you, too. The other thing that I liked is there were some surprises. You know, there were some moments of surprise. For example? Um, when she follows the woman, you know, there's a scene where they're going because some, they think the uh, the Taliban has blown up a well they've, they've drilled. That part and, was interesting. Yeah, and she, well, I'm not going to tell you what happens because you should go see it to see. And you need to see that part of it. But when she goes in to talk to the women, that was a surprise. And I thought it was an interesting surprise, which whatever... You, it appears to be so, doesn't necessarily to be so. And again, it's 
not understanding that culture. And I cried. At one point, they're going in to rescue someone. We won't tell I'm you sorry, who. but the fact that you cried okay, was I, a surprise don't be mean. for me. Don't be mean. Did that you might know? be the movie's biggest surprise for did me. Did you know I was crying? No, I did not. Yeah. When they went in to rescue him, and they played a song from the 70s, which was totally inappropriate as these Marines are going in to rescue this guy. Mm-hmm. And I started to cry because all I could think of is, and I'm going to cry now, what the hell are we doing? You know, why, why are we blowing up people? Like, why are we running? We shouldn't be rescuing anybody because nobody should be there. Well, you know, and I, I had this moment of deep, deep sadness for the fact that we, as the Russians, as we, you know, all the, what the hell is, uh, you know, what are we doing over there, you know? Well, the movie is pretty apolitical. It's very good, yeah. Um, but I remember when I was living in New York, I met a woman, and this was before 9-11, I met a woman from Afghanistan. It was before Afghanistan was really in our headlines here, and she was telling me how much her life and everyone in her family's lives had changed. And she said, you know, it's just unimaginable to people here. You cannot imagine what we used to be able to do and what we cannot do. And they touched on that in one sentence in the movie, that the Brits were there, then the Russians were there under Brezhnev. Um, well, they make a... Vi- it's a very clever, funny moment when, you know, the, the interpreter interpre- mis- misinterprets constantly because he doesn't want to tell people purpose, what really right. they're saying. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And at one point, um, <laughs> this man of color, a Marine of color, is like... I'm not a Russian, I'm American and I'm black. You know, the guy goes back and says, the Russians have blacks now. I mean, it was one of, they were able to make the point with comedy that the Afghans are saying, who's here and what are you doing here? You know, like, what are you, oh, another group's here? What are you doing here? Well, I'm sure Tina Fey fans will find mm-hmm. more funny moments. But to me, the one funny moment was when, the translator was reading Oprah's O magazine. That was very good the, too. That part there were to very me was good funny. details. There were, you know, a lot of the little minor details. And later on, she says something about, "I told you, reading Oprah would help you understand my culture." You know. And to me, that almost felt like yeah, well. it wasn't exactly payback for having planted that prop. It felt a little like, okay, we can't think of anything else, so let's just repeat the right. joke. Um, but didn't this irritate I just want, you a little I wanna, bit? I just want to say something you just said. You said that um, Tina Fey fans will like this. I'm not a Tina Fey fan. And this, I'm, I'm going to say it a little differently. I think this is going to make Tina Fey some big new fans. If people who are not Tina Fey fans like myself, it's not that I didn't like her. I just, you know, I would not, I would not make, go out of my way to see her. I didn't think the unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt was funny. I thought it was absurd and stupid. And... I just, you know, I I thought 30 Rock was funny for one half hour, but after an hour and a half, there's no way I would want to continue to watch it. felt it was the same scene over and over again with different words. So I'm, it's not that I wasn't a fan. I think she's got talent, but I I would never go out of my way to see her. But if she does another movie, I'm going to it because now I think that this film will bring her new fans, but I don't think people will go see it because just as you said at the beginning, which I thought was brilliant, People think it's a comedy, and it's a, quote, Tina Fey comedy in Afghanistan. Why would I want to do that? And if you make that mistake, you're not going to want to go. But if you recognize that what she's doing is opening up some really good questions around the whole scene over there for all of us, and she's doing it with a little bit of lightness so that you can bear bear it to the end. But um, I think she's going to make new fans with this movie. See, um, I know that you read as well the interview that she gave to the Wall Street Journal that was um, printed in Arena this week. 
to me, she spoke about it herself as a comedy. And she said, for example, that there's a sex scene in the movie. And I thought this was very interesting. She said, because Americans have seen her on TV for so long, nobody wants to see her in a sex scene because that would be creepy like seeing your sister on the big screen. And so she said she'll only do one if it's funny. The sex scene I found kind of disturbing. I didn't find it, was, it funny. It wasn't funny, haha. No. But see, there are different kinds of funny, but parts of what she would say, the unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt, is not funny either. This one was the locked. The premise is, is not disturbing. Funny, but it's funny. In other words, that's her kind of absurd humor, if you will, or what have you, something around that. You know, I, I think it's I think it's about the, the depth of the definition of the word funny. But, um, but I certainly... You know, I relaxed and I smiled a little bit. And so there were no laugh out loud moments. There are none. No. Yep. And you know what? Nor should there be, because if nothing else, we should treat this seriously. I mean, it's just. But that's where I go back to the point where I found it culturally insensitive. You know, it I is, wanted it was some, some emotional places. honesty. Yeah. So, yeah. for example, with the pack of journalists who were there, journalists and photographers, I never saw them be good at their craft. In fact, when they mentioned that the Scottish love interest was a photographer, I didn't even know that. I never saw him with a camera. He, was always, he took pictures of her in the garden. He was always with a camera. Taking pictures of anything to do with the war? Well, he had a camera with him every single time he was anywhere. No. Yes, he did. No, there were plenty of scenes where he had no camera. Well, when they were drinking at night... He they did a lot of drinking uh, at night. No, he was, it was obvious. I thought he was a camera. I didn't think it was obvious. I didn't see him downloading pictures. I didn't see him talking to a press agency. I never saw a true, where it felt emotionally honest, a true career dilemma about do I really report on this story? Am I putting people's lives mm-hmm. in danger? Am I really risking someone else's career? The same thing, Margot Robbie was my favorite actor in the movie. She felt very real to me, but even that, in terms of competing for the story, it felt like they spent more time drinking. Well, um, I, you know, they did, well, in when she, certainly when she was in the scenes, they did, but I have a feeling that when journalists are over there, they do spend a lot of time drinking, because when you're under that much stress... Mm-hmm. When, you're, when you are in downtime, you have to do something to just alleviate it, and it probably takes a little bit of medication to do so. And I understand that, but that could have been interesting. But again, mm-hmm. to me, it's because the film couldn't decide what tone it wanted to take. So if it was going to go full-on drama, you could have shown a truly dramatic moment where they're caught in a terrible situation. They have to choose between reporting or saving someone's life, and then they're driven to the bar. Well, you know... I don't, I don't think that they couldn't decide. I think they chose to walk the line and lean both ways. And I appreciated it because I felt it made me be able to stomach the, the content more. But from your perspective, it's mm-hmm. a different perspective. But I didn't and, think yeah. that they couldn't decide. I think it was a choice. And for me, whether that was a choice or just dissonance, it neither amused me nor moved yeah, me. Yeah, it moved me. Yeah, I felt, I, felt that it, I felt that it helped me on both sides of it. You know, I think, yeah, I really loved it. I really loved the movie. And I hope that... I hope that people will take the time to go see it, but it's funny because in the end, toward the end of the movie, when you know she can't get on the air because basically they tell her and Americans don't want to see what's happening in Afghanistan. And they I was very see. glad to see Cherry Jones yeah, make an appearance. Yeah, I mean, they, yeah, the they don't. But they're saying they don't want they don't want to see American soldiers over there anymore, so they can't get her on the air. And I and I appreciated that whole. Um, presentation of that, if you will, because I thought, you know, that sort of does give that wake-up call to us that 
you know, looking away is not necessarily... Uh, I, I thought there were some really good messages in it, and I hope people will go to see it for that alone. Did you find the love interest believable? Um, yeah, on some level I did. You know, I, uh, yeah, I did. You know, I think, I think unusual circumstances create unusual love interests. I can totally see that, which is why I'm really looking forward to later in the year, we're going to be doing another Lit Lover selection for This Is What I Do, mm-hmm. based on the book by Lindsay Adario, right. who is a photojournalist in war-torn areas and has taken so many pictures in places like Libya and around the world. Jennifer Lawrence is going to play her, and I cannot wait to see that come out. One last thing, the scene where she returns to the States and goes to visit the veteran who lost his legs. Why do you think that was tacked on? I thought it wrapped up the one unfinished piece of her life. I I actually respected her for doing it. I mean, we don't want to give it away, but... I, I respected her for doing it, and I felt it was needed, and I thought it was a good way to end it. And I remember just like 10 minutes before the film was over thinking, how are they going to wrap this up? I thought it was good. I did. Yeah, I'd love to hear from our listeners what they think. Yeah. So if you all go to see it, let us know at screenthoughts at gmail.com. Yes, and I want to end, before we before we totally get to the end, We our last week's podcast was on the um, Academy Awards, and I just want to say we, we got a lot of heat from my point of view about... Kate Winslet and Leonardo DiCaprio. In fact, someone who works with us, who does some, you know, some of the posting of uh, of the links and stuff in different places, um, she won't speak to me. And she, you know, and when I try to talk to her about it, she said, "I have no desire to talk to you. I think the Leonardo Kate Winslet thing is wonderful, and there's something wrong with you." And so I just want to say, however many people I offended, my sincere apologies, but I still think Kate needs to get her own life and move on. So um, I say go to this movie. Would you say no? I would say no, but I do want to end on this note. There was a great quote by Tina Fey, and she said that in this industry, it's all about staying in the game. And I totally applaud her. She's a Grammy-nominated artist for her audiobook, Bossy yeah. Pants. She certainly has brought a lot of interesting yeah. projects to the table. Well, she has a new TV, fan in me. Film, new fan. Books. New fan. Thank you, Tina Fey. Okay, over and out. Tango, whiskey, Taylor, whatever. <laughs> you got to go practice your NATO phonetic <laughs> alphabet. Okay. Okay.